hate the rich Neolibs are a bitch Medicare for all Bros can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys, the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I am Kate Willett. And I'm Julia Claire. Julia, you sound uh, very excited for the quarantine. Um, <laughs> this is, this is, is it a coping mechanism or is that really how you're feeling? No, it's a coping mechanism. Obviously, I'm very sad. Um, I've been kind of in process for getting a cat and... Um, at the 11th hour, my liaison at the cat rescue said that he thought that the cat that I was supposed to foster, um, was, he said that he thinks that he would be better off with another cat and I don't have another cat. So (sighs) it's been really sad. And I, but I really did just kind of want to go running into our intro with like a new energy. Yeah, that makes sense. I I have a lead on some cats if you need. (laughs) I honestly, I think I have a hookup uh, from where I got where I got mine. So uh, I can uh, I can hook you up offline with with some good, uh, good cat. Thank you. Yeah, no, I I think I think I'm going to get I think I don't know. I I hope that I'm 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 in process to uh, be in talks for for another cat. But um, yeah, weird day. All of this happened in the last like five hours. So, um, it's been, it's been an emotional day for me because I love cats so much. Um, yeah, I understand. I, I'm a, I'm a leftist cat girl. They're, they're so great. You know, it's weird. Cause I've been getting like crap. They're just talking about dumbass reply guys. I've gotten some misogynistic replies on my kitten pictures because people are like, you are a cat lady, you know? And it's like, I have two kittens. First of all, what kind of monster is against kittens? Second of all, my boyfriend is in this picture. Like, I know the implication of like cat lady is like, oh, like no one will ever love you. So you love cats, which is like whether or not you're in a relationship has nothing to do with your pets and also does not determine your worth as a woman or a person or whatever. But I don't know. It's I'm like, really, you guys are going to be misogynistic about kittens. What the fuck is wrong with you? People need to chill. Everyone, everyone is online too much and everyone is, everyone needs to like, everything is being blown out of proportion because we have nowhere to go except online. I know it's really terrible. Twitter it's has like, jumped the shark as a platform. Twitter has like has reached like a like a nadir of uh, yeah. depressing. It's just, I mean, there's nothing really new to say. You know, we're just in our houses or whatever. Even like some of my, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 just wide ranging. Obviously, political Twitter is very depressed. But even like. Uh, even like the like uh the accounts that are you know just um like about like uh you know fucking different guys and stuff i mean it's been, there's definitely been a change in those too cuz it's like i mean what is what is a slut to do during a mm. pandemic you know there's only so many times that your your ex-boyfriend cannot text you you know it's it's hard out there for thoughts um yeah. for sure and <laughs> yeah thought twitter and thought instagram is a dark place right now. Yeah, um, it is weird. It is weird to see like the the bedroom selfie 
again and again. I know. You know? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been, you know, I'm still in this quarantine with just my boyfriend and, and the two, the two kittens. They, they are, uh, very codependent with each other, which mm. is funny. They literally cannot be physically separated. Like if we bring one in the other room, it just freaks out till it comes back. Like we can't, we just can't separate them. Sometimes we, even if we pick them up, we have to pick them up at the same time. And they don't know if that is something that they grow out of, or if that's just the relationship that these two will have their whole lives. Yeah. Where they're just have to constantly be together. They are brother and sister. Uh, it's hard not to like project a romantic relationship onto them, but they are <laughs> babies and they are brother and sister. Um, yeah. So we got to stop having, having those kinds of thoughts that they are in love with each other because hopefully they're not. Although I've heard a disgusting thing, which is that cats do not have an incest taboo, which really upset me. We got to mm. get these guys fixed before anything ever happens. Cause I will just cry my brains out. If my cats somehow have babies together, it's so gross. What a disgusting tangent. Yeah. Wow. Let's get back to politics. Let's get back to the, the serious. Let's, the let's real to, shit. Let's get back to the queen of shade. Oh, <laughs> Nance. Nance, Nance. Why? Okay. Ugh. I I mean, I just don't even, I don't even want to give this time and space, but we must because it, like it is the, the, the topic du jour online. The topic du jour on Twitter, which, I mean, we shouldn't give too much credence to, like, what trends on Twitter, um, because sometimes it is really, uh, it's just a, it's an all-time high of bad takes and people just kind of tweeting out of their asses. But in this case, uh Nance Pants was on was being interviewed about the president possibly taking hydro hydroxy hydroxychloroquine yeah hydroxychloroquine which does sound like diet pills that I took when I was in high school okay so this is what Nancy said as far as the president is concerned, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved by the scientists, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group. Morbidly obese, they say. So I think it's not a good idea. Yeah, <sighs> it's, it's so stupid. I mean, because, like, you know, people, like, love Nancy Pelosi because she did, you know, like, the sideways clap and stuff, and she just, like, you know, she just... uh she you know, she throws some shade on Trump, but I mean, this is like I don't she know. Wore, to me, she wore a jacket and sunglasses once. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, this, <laughs> this to me is just like so stupid, and it's kind of like emblematic of that like liberal thing to like see that there are problems with Trump, but not correctly identify any of the problems. The problem is definitely not that he's orange. The problem is yeah. not that he's fat. Uh, it's not even that he's rude. It's just that I think that um, like liberals have a hard time really going after his like terrible policies because what they want to do is not so dramatically different that they can comfortably attack the policies for what they are and like the impact that his actions are having on people. Like, for example, one of the most disgusting things that Trump is doing is like what's happening in ice camps right now. But, sure. you know, like a lot of uh, liberals support 
that as well so they can't like go after him for that kind of cruelty so they're instead like oh yeah like he's fat but it's just you know i mean it's it's just really it's dumb it's like it's just i don't know i I, what do you think about it here's the thing i think that she could have stopped this whole like if if she was asked about well she was okay so she was asked about this specifically about him taking this drug she literally could have stopped halfway through and been fine. As far as the president is concerned, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved by the scientists, period. Yeah, that's fine. There you Although go. I, no, mm, I don't know, because I would rather he does take something approved by the scientists, ideally something very dangerous. That's how yeah, I feel okay. about it. <laughs> okay, so wait. So, yeah, I mean, so y- you don't want him to be... Yeah, so if if he were taking something that's not FDA approved, we want it to be toxic. Um, I, I hope it's as toxic as possible. And yeah. honestly, if Pelosi did say that, even I would be like... Bow you down know, to the Queen of Shade. Bow down to the Queen of Shade. I might, I, I, I might have to stand it. I like. I don't agree with her on anything, but you know, if she was like, I think it's great. I hope he takes as many toxic substances as possible. I would. I would love to then, see it. Yeah. Then you're the Queen of Shade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of people talking about how, like, just you know, the impact of like this fat shaming. Like Trump doesn't care. It's just like the people reading it. You know, like that you know like it just kind of see i i have to say that i think that this is actually something that liberal twitter is obsessed with yeah is like the optics of this and i i I agree yeah yeah i like it's just like yeah i just think it's 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 a made for it's a made for outrage controversy it's like i mean she's so Nancy Pelosi, and I've given her a long leash, I think, has been so ineffectual in so many ways that this is like the least of her problems, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, that was kind of how I felt about it, too, which is like, wow, you know, this is what it takes for you to uh, to turn on your queen. Oh, she, she, you know, she the ice, the ice camps the are fine. The, yeah. the, the Medicare uh, for all, like, not, not having Medicare, the opposition and, like, you know, the, the, yeah. the giant payments to insurance industries, the bailouts for billion-dollar companies. Like, none of this makes you mad. I mean, like, enough to, like, where, you know, like, basically anyone who tweets about Nancy Pelosi's opponent who we've had on the show, uh, Shahid Buttar, you know, like, that's, like, uh, that's, like, cancelable. Like, Susan Sarandon got... I mean, people love to drag Susan Sarandon, but she got like fully dragged for like tweeting about Shahid, you know, but but that this that like just saying that Donald Trump is morbidly obese like that is the breaking point for people. You know, I mean, everyone, I, I think it's bad. I think it's stupid, but everyone it's, needs. I, def- yeah, everyone needs a spiritual cleansing or something. I don't know. We're all we need to we need to get. I don't think that the country needs to reopen for the economy. I think the country needs to reopen so that we can all stop this being online so much. Um, Though I know that it's not safe or whatever, but everyone should be, everyone needs to go outside and take a walk. Yeah, I'm not like a normally a big fan of the Atlantic, but there was a good piece in there this week about quarantine fatigue and like kind of talking about like moving towards like you know sort of like a harm reduction model of like you know if you like 
you know, kind of like what are the safest ways to see people uh, if you are going to see someone, which from my understanding and like, again, I'm, I don't I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm, I'm just going to do whatever scientists are saying, not because I'm a lib who is like, yes, experts. I, I just you know, care about my fellow human being. I don't want anyone's grandma to die. Uh, I don't even want the coronavirus. But I, I do also feel like people, you know, will need to see each other at some point again, yeah. you know, and then it's like, like, okay, how do we do that? It seems like outside and, you know, standing further apart, like six feet apart or, or whatever. And then, uh, you know, in, in small groups is much safer than indoors. And just like the more we can get like this kind of information, I think that, you know, it will be better because I feel like people, you know, are just sort of starting to realize that, we may be living with this for like a a while. It feels like that was a like a, a doomer weirdo fringe opinion a couple of weeks ago, but I accidentally read too much about the coronavirus, so I like understood that you know that was what was happening. But now you're even seeing like like Zoom dating is becoming like a big thing, and I feel like I feel like basic people would not be doing that unless they understood that this is going to go on a long time you know (laughs) yeah oh also and this is just you know we don't have to talk about it that much but um was it the times that had a piece about ronan farrow uh kind of like a hit piece about ronan farrow yeah i didn't read it i didn't read it either but it's it's it seemed to to a lot of people like kind of getting out in front of discrediting some story that Ronan Farrow is working on. Yeah, I mean, that definitely might be true. Uh, My first thought when I saw that was like, wow, this has got to put uh, Pod Save America's John Lovett um, in such a difficult position, right? Because (laughs) they're all for the centrist media coverage. But then when it comes after his own boyfriend, you know, how is that going to be? Yeah. I maintain that Lovett is the most left of the four. I think Lovett is the most left. I went on his show. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was so, that was like before I was uh, radicalized uh, by the events of life. But yeah, no, he, he's he's definitely the most left. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think you can be radicalized and go on Love It or Leave It. I'll say it. Yeah, no, I mean, I was on there with... Um, a woman named Melina Abdullah, who was, uh, she's she's an activist that was uh, very uh, involved with Black Lives Matter. And she, she was definitely like, like she voted for Jill Stein and they got into a fight, like a, a debate, like on the stage that was kind of like a sort of, uh, yeah, it was intense. You could tell he wasn't expecting it because, you know, I think Lovett's thesis was like, don't, isn't the most important thing to support Democrats you know, and she was like, um, well, you know, not not always like Democrats aren't always good. And like, I, I think I, I can't remember the exact situation, but it was just it was just she's like he was like, yeah, but don't you think that they're a lot, you know, a lot better than Republicans? She was just kind of pointing out like a lot of issues where they weren't and like the uh, liberals, you know, can kind of give themselves too much credit, you know, like especially um around you know kind of like just the democratic party's like continual like willful ignoring of issues that affect like low-income people and people of Mm. color and she went off and 
to his credit, he left almost all of it in the show, you know? Like, he was... Oh, yeah. Very, yeah. He was very... It's, it's very weird to be on stage during that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I... I've well, you know, they they've had uh they've definitely had some some further left people on on those shows, which I I give them credit for, just not enough for my for my taste, but um before we we get into our interview, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh two people who are uh $20 patrons uh, on our Patreon. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We appreciate it so much. Uh and it's Joshua Siegel and Jennifer Connerton. Uh thank you so much for for supporting our show and thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh it helps us continue to make the show and pay our producer who does so much amazing work. It's not even funny. Uh, Genevieve and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, that was that was very nice of you. Thank you for for supporting the show. And you know, if you haven't uh, checked out the catalog of episodes we have on Patreon, we've got some really really good ones on there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there, it's all available to you for as low as five bucks a month. We really appreciate your support of the show. Um, we really do. Yes. Um, all right. Well, up next, we have a really good interview with uh, Rara Imler, who is a sex worker and a sex work policy advisor for a congressional co- campaign in upstate new york and it was just she's just so smart um and it's just really cool to uh to get to talk about um sex work policy with somebody who just really has given a lot of thought to it at every level so we hope you enjoy it thanks just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. We are here this week to talk about sex work and sex work policy with Rara Imler. Um, you are a sex worker and also the sex work policy advisor to Mike Gam's campaign, who is running in upstate New York. Yes? Yes, I am. Uh, Mike has been a friend of mine for at least a couple years now. And he like approached me about um, about being a policy advisor if he ever ran for office because he was talking about running for, you know, a, a congressional campaign, basically, in the Green Party. And I was like, you know what, Mike, if you do that, I'll be your I'll be your policy advisor. Hell yeah. That's and awesome. so he did it. I'm like, he was actually staying at my he was crashing at my house uh, like the day that we found out. He's like, oh, my God, I'm on the ballot. I'm, I'm a congressional uh, like candidate. And he's like, and you're going to be my policy advisor. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm definitely going to put that on my Wikipedia page. Duh. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so cool. So I'm just going to use that as a stand up credit from now on, too, because I think it gives me kind of like a certain sense of authority now. And how common? I think that that's true. Yeah. I just was going to say, how common is it for campaigns to have a sex work policy advisor? Not common at all. I mean, uh, although in the Green Party, uh, both. Uh, both of the candidates up for the POTUS nomination are supportive of sex work policy. So, oh, um, cool. Yeah. So Mike actually asked them directly about that at the uh, convention this past weekend, and they were both very pro sex worker policy. So that's awesome. It's, yeah. It's I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's just a very marginalized group of people. And 
And typically, if you have legislation or policy um, that doesn't involve them in the process, then you end up, you know, hurting the people you're trying to protect, which is exactly what SESTA-FOSTA was. So, mm. which is one of our uh, campaign goals is to repeal SESTA-FOSTA and uh, push for full decriminalization um, across the country and also to classify uh, crimes against sex workers as hate crimes. So to have protected so class. Let's let's talk a little bit about SESTA-FOSTA because it's become a big talking point, mm-hmm. I think, uh, on the left in the la- probably in the last like two or three mm-hmm. years. Uh, and a lot of people don't know what it is. So uh, could you give us the elevator <laughs> pitch of SESTA-FOSTA, what, what it was supposed to do and what it does yeah, not do? So SESTA-FOSTA, it's, um, you know, the state and federal... Um, anti-sex trafficking laws. So SESTA is Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act and FOSTA is Fight Online Sex Traffickers Act. And it was actually touted as an uh, as an anti-trafficking bill, but the language of the bill is problematic because it's focusing on the facilitation of prostitution via online platforms. So it's, you know, it's like worth noting that neither facilitation or prostitution are adequately defined in any way. Um, so there's no federal mm-hmm. law of pres- uh, prostitution that, for example, like differentiates between dominatrix work, a private stripping show or like any other consensual sex act. So um, what's happened is it's caused websites to remove like educational text just because it mentions like sex. Jesus. Um, because and and there's actually like accounts of like tra- uh, trafficking victims trying to um, get help. And then they're like posts being taken down off the Internet because, um, you know, they could get like that website for even hosting that comment could get sued um, by that, like that victim's family. That's so like fucked that. up. Well, yeah. So it, it's making it actually. So it so something that was supposedly designed to help with uh, trafficking victims and everything is making it harder for to even identify them. So, of course, it seems like the numbers are going down, but it's because they're not being reported on as much. Yeah, but that's just one of the that's just one of the aspects of how like fucked up this legisl- legislation is. Actually, it's actually more of like a free speech issue as well, because right now it's a it's an incredibly difficult time to be an online sex worker. That we don't really have a lot of protections um, and not a lot of like not a lot of resources legally to uh, fight when our you know content is stolen or we're harassed or stalked or anything like that. So, yeah, that's that's really terrible. Um. I uh, I did not know what uh, those bills stood for. I love the fight online part, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, after that, it seems like it takes a dark turn. I <laughs> just you just have some kind of bill, just fighting online bill. Yeah, yeah, uh, like yeah, like le- legalized fighting online. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a weird like fucked up situation. And, and I actually started like so I started sex work, and I put it in like scare quotes because I was like selling nudes you know, through my Twitter, um, I started I started it right as Sesta Fosta was rolling out. So I basically started at the worst time possible <laughs> uh, to like start online sex work because, you know, it's incredibly easy to get your platforms shut down to get your like Cash App or Venmo or especially PayPal shut down. Um, just one of the myriad ways in which our lives are difficult. But yeah. <laughs> can I can I ask a question? This is so this this is something that I keep coming 
this is a question that keeps coming up to me every time I I have I have read anything about Sesta Fosta or the the larger debate around the legalization of of sex work in this country. Um, and I know that like Sesta Fosta was supposed to be an anti trafficking bill, but how like what would be a good way to differentiate and make sure that like that women and girls who are sex trafficked are protected while also differentiating them from um, like legal consensual sex workers. Because I know that like, like my, my concern every time I hear this debate is, is that the, the sex trafficking aspect of it is, is kind of like not not pushed aside necessarily, but like I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not I, articulating I think I know what you're talking well. about because I think um, I think people are, you know, there's like kind of like a thing culturally with you know sex workers is you get like a lot of the bigger uh, like more popular uh, like sex workers being like, no, I love my job no matter what. It's super empowering. I love it. Like, da-da-da-da, you know, this, uh, like, I don't know anybody trafficked or, you know, it's not the same thing. It, that's, like, kind of, like, a thing. Like, that's kind of, like, a wing of, a, like, prob- usually more successful mainstream uh, sex workers. Um, and, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's one of those things where you don't want to minimize, like, what's happening to real victims out there because sex trafficking is, like, mm-hmm. at an all-time high. It's, you know, it's terrifying. It's a It's a reality, like all over the world, but in in the United States in a really insidious way. Um, But like, I think with policy going forward, something that would um, something it it would be like kind of like a two tiered approach. And the first tier would be full decriminalization, because if you are, um, you know, if you're a full service sex worker and you get raped uh, on the street, you know, working on the street, uh, you are facing like prosecution for pro- you know prostitution if you go and report that rape. So it doesn't get reported. So like there's all these abuses that happen just because your job is illegal, um, and it's something that shouldn't be illegal because it's between two consenting adults. Um, so full decriminalization uh, would enable would empower uh, full service workers, especially to come forward when you know they're being harassed or stalked. Or, you know, trafficked, you know, because it, it does turn out like you could, you know, start out on the streets and you could end up, you know, having a pimp just out of like, you don't know what, you know, just because you don't know what to do to like protect yourself against that kind of thing. And the law will not help you as it currently is. Right. So I think we can reduce um, the amount of trafficking victims in that way, but also just in the law differentiating between consensual adult acts and like what sex trafficking actually is. Because I think that people just kind of blanket uh, all of us under like kind of this umbrella of like victim of circumstance kind of thing um, and not really looking at like the material realities that like lead to a life, you know, like that. I- right. It's a it's a very complex issue. And it, it, it reminds me of kind of the uh, the issue about encryption that's going on uh, right now, like the fight against um, for or against encryption. And a lot of people saying are saying that like encryption is a free speech issue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, it is more, it's more complicated that than that. Like, uh, one of, you know, it's, um, you know, child sexual abuse images are one of the most commonly encrypted, 
pieces of um, files, basically that that are sent are sent through mm-hmm. through the media. And I just I just always think that these these conversations uh, kind of resist facile explanations one way or the other but i think that i completely agree with everything that you're saying and i completely agree with full legalization of adult consensual sex work you know and these are like the type of conversations that need to happen with any progressives or anyone who identifies as being on the left um this is the kind of like nuance we need you know because it is you know you do want to balance your individual liberties and freedoms with protecting people overall from, you know, predatory individuals or entities. Um, But again, that's, that's a good conversation to have with people that already agree that sex work should be legal. Um, I don't suggest arguing uh, the validity of sex work with people that are really against it, because it just to me has been very counterproductive. Um, So if you're out there and you're interested in doing uh, sex work, I, I encourage you to actually talk to sex workers. uh, if you're like into sex work advocacy, talk to sex workers, you know, ask them what they think, you know, because people rarely include us in a discussion about what happens to us legally. Um, and that's a huge problem uh, be- because when these policies are made, it it leaves us out completely. Um, I mean, look at everything that's happening with the stimulus right now. I mean, sex workers are having a really hard time getting any like mm. unemployment or any assistance um, I, I know I didn't qualify like I, I never got my stimulus check and I'm just writing I'm just riding through it like you know it's just like a there's no like windfall for us and uh, safety net especially because a lot of us are just kind of like individual content creators you know yeah or you know individual full service workers I uh one one opinion I hear a lot from people who are uh, in favor of legalization I am also mm-hmm. uh, I don't think is basically that, um, you know, there should be full decriminalization of uh, for sex workers, but that like pimping should be a crime. What is wrong or right about that? Um, I mean, pimping is one of those like uh, incredibly predatory. It's not like a job. It's like it, it's like being a landlord. Exactly. Like, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's like being a, a, a landlord, but for someone else, someone else's body, which is insane, you know. Um, but I think p- pimping should be 100 percent illegal. And like I said, if we have like, um, you know, if we have uh, the resources to fight back legally when things happen, like our content is stolen or, um, you know, or someone is harassing us or, you know, um like targeting us in a certain way, um, it having those kind of safeguards and having a culture in which um, having a culture in which it is encouraged to come forward because you know that you're going to get the help you need. Like that makes a huge difference in people's lives. I mean, I talked to sex workers in like the UK and um, in like Australia and New Zealand and in Sweden and stuff, and everyone like. They have even I mean, the UK isn't super great, but it's like they have way more support than women in America do like sex workers in America. It's yeah. it's really fucking sad, actually, how little support we get here. I agree. Um, I'll be really honest about a question that I have that, I, you know, at the risk of like, I'm I'm going to be willing to like sound really stupid right now. <laughs> OK, um, one thing that has always kind of rubbed me in a weird way is when people who are for the most part 
you know, very pro sex work. Like I, you know, I also support, you know, total legalization, but, um, like the idea that it's like not different than any other kind of work feels there's something about that to me. And I, I, you know, it's, it's imaginary for me, right? Like I'm not a, I'm not a sex worker. I, you know, would defer to the people who are doing this work, but like the idea that there isn't like any kind of difference between sex work and any other type of work feels like that's not, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't seem true based on what I imagine, specifically in the situation where like I've always felt that if someone wants to be doing sex work, that they should be allowed to do it. No legal consequences, especially for all the reasons that you mentioned. But Mm -hmm. also I've always felt that nobody should have to do it. Like, yeah. And, you know, like there is like a, you know, because I was in a debate with a friend of mine the other day. It's like, well, you know, people don't like it any kind of work sucks like it it mm-hmm. sucks to work at target and people have to do that for money what's yeah. the difference and to me the, there's just like maybe because i'm just you know again like my experience is totally imaginary but to me it does feel like there is <laughs> there is mm-hmm. some kind of difference between working at target and um and like having sex with someone and right. that like if if you if you want to get out of sex work, that there should be some kind of path available to you if that's your desire. Right. I mean, I I, I agree with you that it's it's not like other jobs. Like, it, you know, it, in a lot of ways it is, surprisingly, but there are, you know, um, there are physical and, like, emotional um, ways in which it's, it's different. Um, but what were you saying uh, earlier about uh, wanting to get out of, like if like, you wanted to get out of sex work, you should be able to. Yeah, like ideally, like if you were in any job where you felt like you were just uncomfortable and couldn't do and couldn't do it and were just, you know, um, overwhelmed. Ideally, in an ideal society, you'd be able to go into an office and be like, hey, can I get a different job, please? Yeah. Like one that suits me. But, you know, I think I think people, especially um, like people that are further left, like hardcore, like Marxists and stuff, I, I've seen have made this. um have made this argument of just like, oh, like we should not even have sexualized labor. It's crazy. Uh, You know, under under like communism or under socialism, we wouldn't have sexual like what would that even look like? And I saw someone talking about this today and it was like, well, nobody knows what it's going to look like. But taking away our income in a capitalist, you know, society, uh, taking away our income that was rightfully earned and being like, gee, sorry, isn't a fucking solution. And I just yeah, seen people agree, say yeah. like, yeah, I've just seen people have like really callous attitudes towards um, towards sex workers. And it's like, there's certain jobs that, you know, shouldn't exist, you know, in a just society. Like, um, I don't know, we shouldn't have janitors. We should have robots do everything, right? But it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go and fire a janitor because I think that he shouldn't have to do his job. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And it also is a great way to turn a janitor against you. For whatever cause you're fighting for. So it's like I've seen a lot of really like sex workers are some of the most radical organizers I've ever met. And so like radically um, like radical empathy, radical mutual aid, like really intelligent, like caring people in their community. And I've seen them get run over by like Internet leftists. Yeah. Just like with mm. anime avatars, just because like they just think that they know better. And it's like you can't talk over someone's material reality. 
Yeah. Not tell someone's reality to them. That's how you get people that are like Trump supporters. You know, like it's like eight years of eight years of neoliberal policy and all the mainstream media just kissing the Obama administration's ass led to people feeling gaslit, you know? So it's like you can't I mean, it's I'm not going to like be sit here and make apologies for Trump supporters, but like it's a similar thing. It's you take people that could be a real like boon to your like leftist project, your socialist or communist project. And then you say your job doesn't matter to me and I think it shouldn't exist. And you're a threat now. So you're not an ally anymore. Yeah. You're, you're straight up a threat. So it's like I just want the discourse to just be more inclusive in that regard, you know? Yeah. Well, this, this is interesting. This is like this is almost exactly like uh, how I think where where liberals and leftists alike have stumbled uh, talking to and about um people in the fossil fuel industry like i'm talking not talking about the higher ups i'm talking about like coal miners like people who have kind of long-standing almost always union Mm -hmm. jobs that have provided them with a middle-class life and coming in and saying your job shouldn't exist anymore i in the future i see we don't have your job that's a really tough sell for people. <laughs> that's not a good, that's not a good way to get people on your side. I mean, yeah, obviously like, you know, I, I don't want coal, I don't want coal mining to be yeah. a job either. Not only because of the environmental impacts, but because it's a fucking dangerous yeah. job. Uh, and also and, there'll still be people uh, that choose to do it. That's a thing is like, like any job, like you're going to probably find some people that want to do it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's like the most horrible job you can think of, like, let, okay, if it's a really horrible job, let's incentivize it. Let's pay people more. You know, if they don't want to do the really tough jobs in society, let's fucking pay them more. Yeah. But I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like a whole other thing. But yeah, I just want to see more leftists. I mean, I'm not asking everyone to be like, yeah, sex positive. I'm going to talk about my fucking sex toys all day, like on on Maine. Like, I don't want you. I don't want you to be horny on Maine. I'm I'm just putting it out there. But like people could do to think about these things, maybe that make them a little bit more uncomfortable in terms of like what a long term, far reaching socialist or communist project looks like like where are you going to fit these people into your project because these people are everywhere um there's like everybody Mm -hmm. knows a sex worker that's just a that's just a fucking thing unless you live in a like unless you live under a rock you know a sex worker that's that's done sexualized labor at some point in their life um whether they're comfortable with telling you or not so let's bring these people out of the darkness and include them you know yeah i i completely agree and you know I think I just, first of all, I definitely think that when you're deciding on, you know, policies that involve the lives of sex workers, that the the number one people that you got to run that past are people who are sex workers. Yeah. I just wonder, like, I don't know. This is something that I go back and forth with because, again, leftists are really divided on this issue. Like the sex workers that I know and have friendships with are people that really want to be doing that that work, you know, um, and find enjoyment in it, get off on it, just, you know, truly love it for a variety of reasons. But I can also imagine that, you know, if you didn't want to be doing that kind of work and it was just like a purely, you know, money-based thing that you didn't feel like you had other options. Like, I wonder, like in a just society, like, do we have, uh, you know, is there, are, are there any kind of like 
you know, programs to help people who don't want to be doing it transition out of it or something. I mean, I like expressed that opinion to a friend of mine and he was like, no, like that's so patronizing and stuff. But I, but I really wonder like if you, if you don't want to be doing sex work, like is, you know, is just doing something like that for money, like are, are there, you know, huge emotional consequences to it, but maybe that's like very unwoke and patronizing. I don't know, you know? No, I mean, I, I think that's, um, I think that there are people that are definitely like arguing that in good faith. Um, but like, it's really, uh, it, the thing is, is like a sex worker is, is such an umbrella term. So when pe- when I I feel like when I talk about sex work to people that aren't really familiar with like the lingo or whatever, or like just you know not in that not in that space um, meeting those people, like they don't understand the full breadth of what like sex work is. Um, so it, like I I like to use the umbrella term sex worker because it's you know I don't want to differentiate myself from a full service sex worker because at the end of the day you know we're facing the same kind of oppression. And what a lot of people, especially with women, you know, like people who identify as women, you're going to face like so much oppression in your life just as a woman. But as a woman who chooses to do sex work, it's almost like uh, the world like truly like does not disguise its hatred for you. Yeah. Um, But like as as far as like transitioning out of sex work, like, yeah, I would love that to be an avenue. I'd love there to be like real avenues where it's not patronizing, where it's uplifting and empowering. And I know that that work is already being done. Now, the problem is, is that, again, it's really like hard to find sex worker resources. Like even if, when you Google them, it's it's really hard to be connected if you don't have a community. I mean, the like uh, an organization could be right there. But if you don't know anyone else who's a sex worker, it can be very intimidating. Um, so that's why, like, I encourage people like. You know, if you know if you know someone that is a sex worker, like be supportive of like trying to help them find resources and stuff. But also just realize like there's times when I mean, I do sex work like not out of survival. Um, I didn't start sex work um, because I was just trying to make some extra money, basically. Um, But there's times I mean, I love my job now, but there's days when I hate it and it's emotional for me and it can be very triggering and traumatic. Um, but there's also days in my regular jobs that I my vanilla jobs that I've had that have been equally pa- like patronizing and traumatic and awful. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just like reminding yourself like it just sucks to be a worker in general. Yeah. Like it just sucks to work <laughs> in any kind of job where, you know, you are relying like you have you have to do it a certain way or else you will not make money. It's it's shitty. It's going to emotionally try you. And if you are someone who identifies as a woman, um, you will likely just get harassed no matter what. So I I just encourage people to like think about that before they approach their loved ones or friends or stuff about like transitioning out of sex work because you never know what people are going through. Like yeah, like even like survival sex work is definitely a thing and it should not exist. No one should be forced into into that. But I've also seen people that have entered sex work feeling very desperate and um, not sure of themselves and finding a lot of empowerment in their bodies and in the way they conduct their business and finding like an outlet in it. So it goes both ways. It really is just like it's there's such a broad spectrum of people that are in sex work that you can't like say one way or the other, you know, if it's traumatic or not. Yeah, I think that that's uh, a very good point. Kate, I also have had uh, I've had discussions like those and I've had, I've, this is something that I've, you know, I've wrestled with a lot myself because I like, there are a lot of times where I don't know where I fall on. I think it's such a complex issue. And, um, to Kate's point, I think 
you know, the the friends who I have who are sex workers are all college educated, you know, cis women who it's um you know, they they love doing it. It's very much like a vocational choice for them. Um and I and I do find that like the people who are you know, have the, have the biggest platform in the decriminalized sex work conversation are those such women. Um, but it seems to me that like there is a special, there's a, a much less visible, but probably much more numerous um, category of sex worker who is in a more kind of desperate situation. And it's not like a vocational choice. It's kind of like, a last resort. And I don't, I don't know if that's like, I don't think that that's patronizing to say, I think that's like a reality of, of our, of Mm -hmm. our world and of the, the oldest profession. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, survival, yeah. Survival sex work. It sucks. I know, I know some people that, you know, especially since, you know, in the context of the pandemic and everything going on right now, um, it's really hard to watch people get into it from a place of desperation, which is where I've seen a lot of people enter from um, in the past couple months. It's really hard to discourage it, though, because if you're look, if you're staring down the barrel of an eviction, you know, it, you're it, it's so it. This is the thing is that capitalism forces us to make these choices sometimes, you know, like I've definitely and there's definitely been days where I would wake up and I would be like, I don't want to go to the fucking strip club today. I don't want to, I don't Mm want to go to the club. I don't want to be pressured to drink. I don't want to be pressured to hang out with some skeezy dude. Um, and it sucks, but there's also been days in my vanilla jobs where like I've woken up and I'm like, I don't want to go to my boss. who's going to yell at me. I don't want to talk to customers that are going to harass me, um, and trigger my anxiety. Um, like it, it's just so uh, it, it's so hard because I think people are much like put sex work under more of a microscope when it comes to like the emotional impact of it that, than they do other types of survival labor. Yeah. So, so because it is such a personal it is such a personal thing. You know, your body is personal. It it, it feels heavier, I guess. Um, and I feel like that's just a cultural thing um, because I've also just met people that were just like, fuck it, I'm just going to. I'm just fuck it. I'm just going to be an escort and then just went into it and we're just like, fine. Yeah. And yeah. but they did it. So it, it's just so it's so uh, hard to like contextualize it um, when we just don't have enough like data about it. And people don't want to come forward about their experiences sometimes, too, because of the culture of shame around it. So there's like there's a barrier now between collecting this data, collecting this information um, that might help us like, m- you know, allocate resources properly uh we're not getting it's like it's like having an incomplete census you know yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah so it's almost like an it's almost like a statistics issue at a certain like level um even though people i like people internalize it and make it more of a personal thing so what is good sex work policy look like what kinds of policies are you working on for mike's campaign what are the ideas that really excite you and would make meaningful changes um i think like so i said this earlier but it's kind of like a like um 
it's not a two-pronged approach. It's a three-pronged approach. Uh, I'm tripping all over my words. Um, So as with any, like, good policy, like, you don't want to be reactionary in how you're responding to an issue. Um, So, you know, you could... Like you could very easily just like be like, okay, fuck it, full decriminalization. But that doesn't really solve um, the material reasons why people would get into survival sex work, say. Or, you know, like Mm. um, I also think hazard pay for sex workers, certain classes of sex workers, uh, basically in-person sex workers would uh, good policy would include like um, hazard pay. So um, and also it would include. Um, what we talked about, which is actually um, in part of the UK, I think it's in Yorkshire. Um, yeah, it's in Yorkshire. Uh, crimes against sex workers are considered hate crimes in a certain part of Yorkshire, I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I got to like double check that. Um, but that to me is um, one way to to fight for justice uh, is just because there are so many crimes out there that are targeted specifically because someone is engaged in sexualized labor. I mean, there's like revenge. There, I mean, there's revenge porn laws, but they don't go far enough. They don't protect you from somebody stealing all your content and putting it up on Snapchat or something, which is happening to this one sex worker I know currently. Um, and, you know, most people, um, if they're a smaller account and you're if you're only making like a grand or so from sex work um, and you get your content stolen, you can't afford a lawyer to go after the person that did that. Yeah. So in a just world, mm. in a just world, we'd have a department for specifically these kinds of like online uh, crimes. So it, it'd be like basically part of um, like, you know, investigating fraud. So ju- that's just like a couple things like off the like that we're kind of like working on right now. Um, our like we're a long shot campaign, obviously, but we're just trying to bring more conversations like around to that, like and push people left uh, and ensure that whoever takes office um, is held accountable to, you know, to these communities that need our help. Totally. I think that that's, you know, it, it's definitely the, the conversation around sex work has really like opened my eyes to a lot of things that I, I just didn't think about enough or didn't think about at all for a long time. And I think that I think it's going to be something that becomes like more and more of a national conversation. And we're seeing that already. And I think it's, uh, it's great. And it's, and, you know, as you said, with the the revenge porn laws, uh, almost always these laws do not, they don't catch up with technology fast enough. Technology far outpaces the laws yeah. So it's something that is going to be an an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a uh, it, it's one of those things where it just kind of feels uh, like any kind of um, it feels like niche legislation right now. But once you start, like once I started being more engaged with like the sex work community at large online, you realize just how many people are impacted by. Um, by these like policies, like unjust policies, like SESTA FOSTA. So like if we can even just start talking about it like adults, instead of having this reactionary, like, no, gross should be illegal or like, or like, oh no, that's so tragic. That's so horrible. 
um, and just like kind of sweeping it under the rug. Like as if we can just like start bringing those conversations out to the main discourse, to the mainstream, like I'll be happy. I'll be happier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, kind of listening to what you're saying, it's definitely like we are so in a debate as a society about like whether sex work should even exist or not, that we're mm-hmm. not dealing with the reality that it does and that there's mm-hmm. ways to make it safer and, um, you know, just make it so that, you know, like it's just that sex workers have the protections that other workers in our society have, you know, uh, yeah. but it never it like the discussion struggles to get past that initial point of like, oh, no, people are doing sex work. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a weird it's like a weird cultural uh, hurdle that I've like I've run into a lot. Um, people people are very uncomfortable with talking about like sex work, even if it's just like yeah. even if it's just strip clubs. I've noticed like I, I'll bring up that I'm a stripper um, when people ask me and it's like they'll be like, oh, OK. And you're just like, well, I mean, I wouldn't tell you if I wasn't comfortable. Yeah. But it's like it's almost yeah. like the, it's like a weird like fear of the unknown or just like, you know, also fear of saying the wrong thing, um, you know, for the more polite crowd, usually like the more liberal crowd. Um, but it, it's yeah, we just have to like realize that like this is it's everywhere. It's it's going to be around. It's usually it's probably always going to be around in some capacity. Maybe we can like lessen the need for it by, you know, having you know a just a better culture around sex and like you know uh and feminism in general because at you know at the mm. bottom of it all it is a feminist issue um because if if someone treats a, a sex worker like shit they're like a, a especially a female sex worker like shit they probably have no problem treating a woman like shit a woman a woman yeah. who doesn't conform to what they think a woman should be Yeah. So I've seen it. I've seen it like time and time again, like the most abusive shit that's ever thrown at like sex workers for their labor is coming from a man who has a certain idea of what a woman should be. And we should be discouraging that, you know, Mm. like that's what I don't understand about like uh, swerfs. Uh, Like, I don't (laughs) understand. I don't understand how you how you think policing a woman's body and choices um, is somehow going to end up better for you than it is for this person you're criticizing. So, yeah, yeah that makes complete yeah, sense. Totally. I, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the pandemic, I, I mean, when I was, when we were getting ready to talk to you, I was just thinking about, you know, with the risk of COVID that uh, full service sex work or even stripping has got to be one of the, riskiest <laughs> activities out there for catching covid um i'm well, not really looking t- forward to going back to work yeah. i'm not touching anybody <laughs> H- how are people talking about that and dealing with it um i i know that um i know a lot of escorts i talk to are have been social distancing um and have not been taking in-person clients and stuff like that that's why there's kind of been this shift to more uh to more online work um like camming and OnlyFans and you know clip making and things like that um so i think there has been more of a shift in attention and also for more like conscientious buyers that don't want that don't want to get sick either or don't want to yeah. get other people sick they're out there buying porn and or talking to girl you know talking to workers online um so i think there's been a huge shift in that 
But also it's really incredibly frustrating because it is a dangerous world. Like it, you know, people think there's, I feel like there's a little bit of a misconception sometimes people think like it's just easy money um, and mm. oh, there's like very like low risk and it's like it's the opposite is it's the opposite basically like it's a very high risk it's you know you're you're exposing yourself to a lot of different dangers when you put yourself online in general uh but especially when you're selling access to your body um and it's gotten kind of creepy for me at times um but mostly it's just uh it's it's very emotionally taxing for different reasons because you know you when you first start out sex work you are figuring out your boundaries. Um, and it's almost like it's almost like being a virgin again. Like you're almost like just reestablishing like your like your space and your like uh, your force field that you have to have to like engage in that kind of work. So it's been an interesting ride. Like I feel like I'm pretty used to it at this point, but it, I don't know. I do a lot of kink and fetish stuff, so it never fails to surprise me what I messages I wake up to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> Um, I am, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a union bitch. I love, I love a good union. Um, what is the, you know, you said that, uh, sex workers are some of the best organizers, you know, are there a lot of, um, either attempts or, you know, successful initiatives made in the sex work community to, to like formally organize and unionize, uh, in, you know, in places like strip clubs uh that to me seem like they would be it'd be really natural for strippers to unionize yeah so um it's difficult with stripping in particular because uh, i know they did it in california there were um i think there like a series of clubs that came together and uh and went on strike and then they got their union uh and they were able to go back to work under better conditions um usually i'd say if like if if with stripping in particular, um, with unionization, it's always kind of difficult club to club. Like even within just one city, like mm. uh, like Atlanta, where I am, um, it's difficult because at some some clubs you're a W two employee, and at other clubs you're an individual contractor. And I don't I don't even know like the laws around uh, organizing unions as a private contractor. So it's like a lot of kind of like sift like and also. It, People are very afraid of unions these days. Like they're very afraid, like like workers yeah. are very afraid of the word union. And it's been designed that way, you know, like our our rights as workers have been eroding for the past 30 years plus. And uh, so when you talk about unions, you'll get people that, you know, you talk about the benefits of unions, you get people that would materially, materially benefit from it arguing with you as to why yeah. they shouldn't exist. And it's like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, they've totally oh, drank the, the Kool-Aid. All like, the time. So it's yeah. really hard. So sometimes I mean, you have people that are frustrated, but they just, they ideologically, they cannot wrap their minds around what a union would even look like or do. I think the shift, the, the Overton window in this country around unions have, sh- has shifted so far to the right that exactly as you said, the people who would benefit most from the union are like poison pilled mm-hmm. by sort of like right to work rhetoric. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and especially like where unions would like be like in this, you know, in the South, especially there's, uh, I think Georgia is a right to work state. I should probably know that. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think people are also terrified too, because, you know, um, 
being being a dancer in a big city like Atlanta, where it's like the stripping cap, like, you know, that us in Miami, yeah. the stripping capitals of the South, totally. like you're working in an industry that is oversaturated, like as far as right. labor. So it's like it's, you know, even though um, like strippers can make anywhere from, you know, poverty wages to like being like practically millionaires, I've I've seen I've seen the gambit of it. Um, so it's really hard to even um, like the, the people that are most vulnerable, um, like financially or like economically are the ones that would be the hardest to organize, I think, because there's such a fear of losing your source of income. And for someone right. who's, you know, for someone who is a dancer, um, that might be the best job you've ever had. I mean, I I know this is the best, like dancing has been the best job I've ever had as far as pay. I mean, and flexibility and, uh, you know, ability to make my own money. Um, it, it's really hard to tell someone to risk that um, when they're just comfortable enough to like let it go, you know, to like let go the yeah. kind of labor violations you see every day. And strippers pay what's called house fees. Do you guys, y'all know what that is? Yeah. Th- that's yeah. like when you, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I think that is, is when you, you have to, when you dance on stage, you have to give some of your money to, I think the, the, the club and also to the DJ, right? Yeah. So again, this is one of those things that differentiates club to club. Like I, you know, I, the last club I, the la- the first club I worked at, um, we were W2 employees and our tip out was a percentage of the DJ that night and that was it there's other clubs where you tip out on like up to almost 50 percent on every single table dance or like lap dance you give wow Uh, you tip out whenever you go on stage you tip out if you're late your tip you tip out if you want to leave early there's so many different ways they they just get to fuck you um and like the greedier clubs that are you know some of the really bad clubs you go in and you and it's like you get really bad vibes from them it's because the dancers are really fucking unhappy because they probably yeah. have to pay you know anywhere from like 10 to 50 percent of their income like and which doesn't you know reflect in the changes in the club it doesn't you know it doesn't necessarily make your life uh better or it, make it easier for you to do your job it's just you know the owners being greedy uh, or the managers being greedy or whatever. So to unionize, like unionizing um, for like one club, um, I don't know what that would look like. I've I've talked about it with dancers before because I myself am also a union girl and I would love to have a strippers union. But it's very it's it's almost like trying to organize servers or bartenders or people. You know, it's yeah. it's we're considered very replaceable. So when you already have that hanging over your head, I think it, there's like an extra layer of vulnerability there. So that would be like one of the biggest obstacles, I think. When you were talking about the differences in tipping out from club to club, I was a server for many years and it it's the same thing in restaurants. It differs uh, how much you have to tip out and to whom uh, differs wildly from restaurant to restaurant. Yeah. Um, but also, in a, again, another group of people who I would love to see every uh every restaurant have union servers yeah, i think uh, <laughs> that'd be great i think it's i think tough, conditions are i mean i i wonder what the conditions were like in california when they did it um because it must have been really bad <laughs> um mm-hmm. but i think like if you kind of 
if you kind of factor in like in bigger cities, especially it's like higher cost of living, um, you know, like uh, ease of access to clubs. Like some I know some girls that dance in Atlanta that are coming from like a couple hours away to do a shift. So it's like it's it's weird because it's like you're dealing with a wide range of personalities and people that may even geographically not even be close to each other. They just work together. But I think like as material conditions worsen in the country, um, I think people are going to be pushed further to like fight for, you know, for more protections as workers, you know, because if you're spending if you're spending, you know, 40 to 70 hours a week at a job like, you know how that job should be run. Like, you know better, you know better than a manager that pops in once a week or an owner that pops in once a month. So, you know how, like, how the place should be run. So, like, I think there's going to be, um, like, more pushback as we get further into, like, the recession. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, you know, definitely got my fingers crossed for that because, I mean, man, I don't know. The first, the first time I went to a strip club, it was because my friend worked there and I was 18 years old. And she danced and she had to give 100% of the tips that she made during her dance to the DJ, like 100%. What? Yeah. And I guess that was the rule at that particular club. And she was like doing all this crazy athletic shit, just like climbing on the pole, hanging upside down. I mean, stuff that she was clearly like training very hard for (laughs) on a regular basis. And just that she would, you know, not be able to keep any of the money that she made for that like whatsoever that was it was so infuriating to me so yep just legal pimps that's what it is yeah um yeah yeah, that's really fucked up okay i've i love i love um i can't keep stop going back to pimps or landlords (laughs) i think that that's my new that's my new 2020 slogan get some shirts made (laughs) yeah I, uh, here's, here's like a weird kind of out of the blue question. So I noticed that whenever you talk about sex workers, you're, you're often using the term girls. And like, for me as a feminist, I typically refer to anyone, uh, over the age of 18 who identifies as female as a woman. And I was wondering, like, is there a particular like choice behind that or just in the same way that it's like colloquial for everyone? Um, I think I'm just, uh, (laughs) I think I'm more of a stripper than anything else. Uh, so I'm always like, it, it, you know, it, it's a very feminized uh, position. So I do kind of um, I do kind of just like slide into like, OK, girls, like, let's do this, girls like these girls need money. Um, but, you know, what I really mean is I I'm trying to be more uh, conscious of using gender because, you know, there are like male and non-binary uh, and, and trans like sex workers and and you know and typically like non-binary and trans uh, people are like especially like a very marginalized portion of sex workers, especially black trans women who do uh, street like black and brown trans women that do street work. Um, that those are like and I don't want to like do them any disservice because but like I, it's just one of those things. It's like I kind of uh, I kind of just slip into my stripper mode talk and stripper mommy talk. So sorry if anybody's listening and is just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Let's talk for a second about, you know, because I, 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 I have read a lot that like, you know, actually like, um, violence towards trans sex workers is a huge issue. Um, other than the policies that you mentioned of, you know, like fully, 
decriminalizing, mm-hmm. legalizing, um, and also, you know, classifying a crime against a sex worker as a hate crime. Is there mm-hmm. anything else that can be done to protect trans women? I think um, on a policy level, um, I think I-, I wouldn't be able to say. I'm not nearly experienced enough in um, in advocacy work to say that. But I'd say from like a community level, like from a mutual aid level, like there's tons of stuff that can be done. Like there, um, and, the, and the thing is, is that this work is already being done by those people. Like if you look at any kind of like marginalized community, um, it, when you look at like sex work in particular, we're, there's already sex workers doing all this work on the ground, you know, like all this grassroots organizing. So it's almost like a very like anarchic um, like project. Um, that is happening right now. Um, and so it's hard, like, you know, I don't want to ever, ever take away from that work that's being done because that's like, that's those are the people that are really like in the trenches, like making sure people, you know, are fed and clothed and have condoms and have access to testing um, and have, you know, have like housing and stuff, um, if I said that already. Um, so I, I think like from a policy point of view, I don't have... Um, any recommendations, but from just a or like a, as a socialist organizer, I'd say just engaging in mutual aid work specifically for sex workers is so important and so radical. And I would love like especially organizations like DSA to be much more involved on that level. Yeah. Me too. Totally. Wow, this has been such an this has been such an enlightening conversation for me. I feel like I've learned so much. Awesome. This is cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm always so nervous talking about it because it's like kind of I'm like putting on my put on my blazer. I put on my big like big. Yeah, girl you look pants. great. I no, I I I don't know if you could. I was so I'm so afraid of saying the wrong thing in these in these conversations as well because you know I, I try to like you know be a good leftist. Do my reading yeah. about sex work inclusive labor practices and things mm-hmm. like that but it's such a complex issue and i just i really appreciate uh hearing on the ground yes yeah, me of too. Course. i'm just glad yeah i'm glad that i'm glad to be asked questions about it it's a uh, it's it's you know it, i we've had a pretty serious conversation so far but there it's funny because if you go to any of the other podcasts uh i've been doing i I love talking about the weirder, more glamorous aspects of my job, too, because it can be, you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't like me personally, I would not do it if there was no benefit to it. Like I get, you know, I get to dress up like a doll every day and um, take cute pictures of myself and, you know, make stupid content. Uh, So it can be fun. Like if you're, you know, I don't want it to be all like doom and gloom because that's not how I feel every day. Like my doom and gloom is completely not related to my job right now yeah. you're just <laughs> everyone is depressed everyone yeah, um, yeah. the doom and, the doom and glued is is just related to the world yeah. um yeah and and i just want to assure you i know you said this earlier um about how you don't encourage being horny <laughs> on main uh i'm i'm very sex negative on main so uh i understand personally People... not 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 philosophically just personally sex yes. negative for myself yes. Listen, I get it. I have to I have to mute certain things on my feed, too, as a sex worker. And I'm a pretty <laughs> sex positive person. But then you just see something and you're like, you know what? Not today. All right. Not today. I'm going to switch over to Maine. And then you see something on Maine. And you're like, not today. Hell, guys? Get it together. Yeah. Well, um, we should wrap up here in a second. Yeah. But, you know, just uh, 
just to kind of give the full picture, do you want to you want to tell us one one super weird or fun experience that you've had as a sex worker? Um, sure. I will. Uh, okay. Would you prefer like a stripper story or a dominatrix story? I think I'm gonna go with dominatrix story because that shit. Yeah. I love I I love to hear okay. about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Um. I'd say my my weirdest dominatrix story. I'm very new to it, by the way. Um, the dom lifestyle. I started doing it around December. Um, it started doing f- uh, female domination content uh, and sessions. But I'd say the weirdest, really the weirdest thing I've been asked to do and record um, was like me wearing boots, crushing a toy gun. Oh my god. Yeah, um, and this guy like found me on Instagram. I didn't. This is not something I would just like offered as a service, like or even knew it's not on the menu. As a fetish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, I guess, saw my Instagram, and I think I used maybe like a dominatrix tag or something, and was like, "Hey, could you be a model for me? Could you like, you know, could you buy this toy gun and then crush it?" And I was like, "Okay, this is, you know, whatever. Give me money for it, and I will." And yeah. I was like, give me money for the gun and half of the mo- money for the clip. And he did. And I was like, OK, I guess I'm doing this now. And I think he was like a really anti-gun guy, too, because he was like, would you feel comfortable um, saying an anti-gun message in the beginning of your clip? And it's like, I'm a Marxist. So I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm good with that. But I'll crush it for you. I'll like, you know, beat it with a hammer, stomp it with my boots. And I sent it to him and he like loved it. And I was like, OK, well, you know, it just goes to show um, you never know what's going to get people off. So just ask, you know, when in doubt, wow. when in doubt, communicate because it could be something really weird like that. But it could also be easier than a blowjob. So I definitely you know? I I appreciate one thing I appreciate about that story and that guy is that, you know, how uh, how deeply he has brought his uh, political feelings into uh, his <laughs> you know, his, his sex activist. life. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, cause for me, you know, like I'm, I'm obviously like, I'm, I'm a staunch feminist, but you know, it doesn't always, it doesn't always, let's just say that's, that's not where the deepest recess, <laughs> recesses of my imagination always go. Right. Yeah. And maybe I, that's true for most. I of really us. like uh, to imagine I, that know, that guy works for like every town for gun safety or something like that. I think that would be really. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like I, I, and again, like I'm not, uh, I'm not dis- dissing anyone's fetish. Um, there's definitely people that I've heard of ha- had weirder fetishes, but that was the the best, uh, easiest thing I've ever had to film <laughs> in my life. So I was like, okay, sweet, cool, yeah. very fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me, y'all. Thank oh, you yeah, so I much. I should for probably our... tell you about the oh, at least yeah, some yeah, of the yeah. details of the campaign, right? Uh, Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a June 23rd election, um, and Mike is running for New York 27, and it's a hard red district between Buffalo and Rochester, New York. Um, and it's a special election because the term was vacated and uh, by the convicted criminal Chris Collins. Uh, he was Love convicted for insider that. trading. So it's a special election for that. Love to see Love that. To see Very sexy. Very sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And also, oh, by the way, Mike is um, Mike is also a sex worker. Okay. So I should point that out as well. So he's a radical uh, anarchist and he's running for the Green Party. Um, and yeah, go check out him ch- out. Yeah, check out his uh, check out his website. He's, he's for New York dot org. Mike is very sweet. He's a listener of the show. Uh, so, Mike, if you're Thanks listening, very much. thank you for 
being a reply guy's reply guy. Uh, <laughs> we wish you the best of luck with your campaign. Uh, that would be a really uh, a cool change <laughs> of pace, you know? Yeah. Um, insider trading to a, a totally different <laughs> kind of insider trading. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to do it. Wow. I can't not. I'm, I'm so sorry. All right, Rara. Well, uh, I, where can our listeners find you online? So you can find me on Twitter always. Um, it's at Island Goth. And I'll be it. launching I'll be launching a Patreon soon. It's like my blog and where I put all my writing and stuff. So that'll be happening soon. But yeah, follow me on Twitter. Um I'll give you a fallback if you're if you're chill and cool. I love that. Um, Thanks yeah. so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. Your this land, land is my land.